Welcome to another inspirational message from Pastor Ron Hammonds, Senior Pastor of Golden Triangle Church on the Rock in Southeast Texas. We're so glad you're joining us. For more information about Golden Triangle Church on the Rock Ministries, visit our website, cotr.com. Enjoy the word. Tonight, in this continuing study of the miraculous, we're in part five, and, and uh, I hadn't planned on saying any of this before, but it fits right in with our title tonight on limiting God. Have you limited God? Is that your problem? Is that your frustration? Is that your aggravation? Is that your sadness? Is that your turmoil? Is that your fear? Is that, is that your worry? Is that your aggravation? Is that where you are? Are you in a place where you have limited God? Psalm 78 in verse 41 says, Yes, again and again they tempted God and limited the Holy One of Israel. We can limit God. The focus of our study of the miraculous in 2 Kings chapter 4 has been the focus of this woman who received a miracle. She got what she needed. She was in dire need of a miracle. And uh, what is a miracle? A miracle is anything that you cannot explain. Okay? A miracle is inexplicable. It is something that you have uh, obtained not by a natural means, but by the supernatural. It is a a supernatural, unexplained occurrence, event, divine intervention into your life, into your situation, into your world. The Bible talks about signs, wonders, and miracles. You know what a sign is? A sign is anything that points to God. That's a sign. Okay. You know what a wonder is? It's anything that makes you wonder. I wonder how that happened. You know? I wonder, I wonder how, you know, wow, that's a wonder. And a miracle is anything God does, anything God touches. Uh, the woman that we're reading about in 2 Kings chapter 4 received a miracle. And it ended up being much, much more than she had asked for. Uh, even much more than she needed. But that's... That's, you know, what a miracle does. You know, miracles begin with a need. Miracles, you know, we have a need. There is a need in the earth. One of our, you know, family members, friends, there is a need. There is a need somewhere. And God responding to this need is a miracle. Miracles begin with a need. And, and, and uh, no matter what we could imagine, men cannot perform miracles. Only God can perform miracles. And, and, and God often meets a need or, or, or gives a blessing. When he performs a miracle, it, 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 it reaches beyond our comprehension. We don't know how God did it. You know, we don't know how he made our bodies to heal themselves. We don't know how, uh, you know, as he was telling Job, you don't even know where I keep the snowflakes. You know? There's a whole lot more to God than what we can understand, comprehend, or make happen ourselves. The divine interventions of God, they are signs that point to Him. They are things that make us wonder. 
And they are miracles that are beyond our understanding, beyond our comprehension, and beyond our ability to manipulate. You know, a miracle is something God does. Unbelievers often try to explain miracles away with some foolish nonsense. You know, try to, try to tell you, you know, well, this is why that happened. This is why that happened. Well, this is how it happened. You know, there was this. This is, the, you know, this is how creation, this is how the world began. This is, you know, let me tell you, God spoke the worlds into existence, and they were framed from things that were not seen, that did not appear. God is a God of miracles. And the Bible tells us that every good gift and every perfect gift comes from the Father of lights. God intervenes with miracles. And the way that we know these miracles are from God, they're often unexplainable. They make us wonder. They point to him because they are good. They are perfect. They're meeting the needs that only God can meet. The woman in 2 Kings, as I said, she received a miracle because she was willing to take her need to God and then to do what the prophet said do. She took her need to God and she was willing to follow the instructions of the prophet. If she had not been willing to trust the word of the Lord, if she had not been willing, and, and uh, you know, uh, we have the word of the Lord right here. If she had not been willing to trust the word of the Lord, then, then uh, you know, she would not have received her miracle. People aren't often aware of just how much they limit God. They aren't aware that, that you know, it's not God that is limited in what he's able to do. But yet, we limit him in what he is able to do through us. We limit him. If you have a need tonight, regardless of that need, you can take that need to God. You can trust what he tells you to do, and you will receive a miracle from God. That's the way he works, providing you don't limit him. Uh, God wants to be involved in your life. You know, uh, he's a loving father. Which one, uh, which, which one of us fathers, as, as the Bible says, which one of us would not respond favorably to a need our child had when we had what they needed and they brought that need to us and they were willing and obedient and trusting and was going to do what we asked them to do. Which one of us would not walk with them to accomplish that need in their life? And the Bible says, if we, being evil, know how to give good gifts to our children, how much more will God give to those who ask him? Um, Jesus is the one that said, ask and receive that your joy might be full. You know, heretofore you've asked nothing, he said in my name. Ask and receive. Even James encourages us to ask 
but when we ask, we should ask in faith. There are, there, there are a few things that limit God. If you have a need tonight, please consider taking the limits off of God. What, what are some things that limit God? Well, uh, of course, the big one you can find in Jeremiah 5, verse 25. Yeah, sin limits God. Jeremiah, the prophet, said, it's your own sins and your own iniquities that have withheld good things from you. <laughs> Hello? <laughs> yeah, we limit God sin. And Adam and Eve are a prime example. Sin entered into their lives, and all of a sudden, they found themselves outside of the garden without access to the tree of life, and they were outside of the blessings of God. It separated them from the blessings of God. It separated them from, from, from the unity that they had enjoyed. It separated them from the presence, the power, and the provisions of God. If there's sin in your life, stop it. You're limiting what God can do. If you have a need tonight, let me encourage you, check, examine yourself. If, there's, if, if, if there is sin, unrepented sin in your life, not if you have ever sinned, but if there is unrepentant sin in your life, that means you're not willing to give up sin for righteousness. You're not willing to give up your sin to be right with God. You're not willing to give up that secret sin. You're not willing to give up that sin to be blessed by God. Okay? Uh, now, okay, then limit God. Live with the need. Live with the vacancy uh, of, of, of you know, love and joy and peace and gentleness and goodness and faith and meekness and self-control in your life. Because you cannot grow a healthy garden of the fruit of the Spirit when you're living in sin. Jeremiah 5.25 Your own sins and your own iniquities have withheld good things from you. Okay? There's, there's, there's uh, 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 something else, you know. Uh, Matthew 13.58 and Mark 6.5 both tell us that unbelief limits God. Unbelief. That... Uh, that concept of unbelief in Matthew 13, 58 and Mark 6, 5, where it says that Jesus could do there no mighty works because of their unbelief. Except he was able just to heal a few sick people. But he wasn't able to do what he wanted to do because of their unbelief. Isn't that interesting? That they limited the Holy One of Israel by their unbelief? This concept of unbelief means an unpersuadableness. It means that you've made up your mind and you've become stubborn and you are not going to do it. You're not going to believe. You're not going to, to, to have faith. You're not going to trust God with this situation. You're going to take it into your own hands. Okay? You're not going to trust God with this one. You know, you're mad about this, and you, 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 you have a right to be mad, you have a right to be angry, you have a right to be upset, you have a right to be frustrated, you have a right to be disappointed, you have a right, and I am not going to believe that God can make me feel any other way. It's not even worth it. Therefore, I'm unpersuadable. It is hard for God to move in the life of someone who is unpersuadable. It doesn't have to be sin. It can just be stubbornness. Look at the children of Israel. God said that you will not enter into my rest because you are stubborn. <laughs> oh, I've gone to preaching and meddling now, hadn't I? Come on. You want to live like that the rest of your life? 
Don't you want joy and peace and excitement and happiness? Don't you want to be filled again with zeal for the house of God and passion for the thing? Don't you want to again get up in the morning and you can't hardly wait to get, get you know, dressed and ready and get out the door so you can tell somebody how wonderful life is? Another thing that limits God, 2 Kings chapter 13 tells a story of, of, of the prophet, read it at some point, the prophet Elisha, it's one of the last things he did, but it reveals that that vision limits God. You're, you, you're not having a big enough vision, not having a, you know, uh, it's, it's the story where he, he, he told him, you know, take these arrows and, you know, you're going to defeat Syria and, you know, smite the ground, and, and he only hit the ground three times, and Elisha said, oh my goodness. Man, you should have beat the ground, you know, ten dozen times. But since you, since you didn't have, the, uh, you know, a greater vision of what God could do, then you have limited God only three, you'll only defeat them three times. Because that was as big as you could see. That was as much as you could see. You know, sometimes we have trouble seeing that God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above all we can think or ask according to the power that works in us. We imagine that we just need a little bit, just a little help. Just, you know. uh, Luke, the 18th chapter, there's a story about a young rich ruler, verses 22 and 23, that tells us that refusing to follow directions will limit God. Refusing to follow God's instructions, refusing to follow the word of Jesus. This is the young rich ruler, you know, and, and the young rich ruler said, what do I need to do to, you know, uh, to, 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 you know, to in, inherit eternal life and to be you know, on top of my game? And, and Jesus said, well, there's one thing that you lack, you know, follow these instructions. And the Bible says that that man went away sorrowful. Why? He went away unhappy. He lived an unhappy life is the implication. Why? Because he did not want to follow the instructions. He did not want to do what the word Jesus said do. Now, uh, you know, Matthew 22, verse 14. We're going to get to 2 Kings in a moment. Matthew 22, verse 14 tells us that, that, that many are called, but few are chosen. We limit God when we uh, are not prepared. Being unprepared limits God. God gives us an opportunity to be prepared. Let's imagine that God called you to be a, 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 you know, um, a school teacher. If you don't take the time you have and, and, and get to the college, the university, and get yourself prepared, then you are going to limit God. He will not be able to get you a job in the schools as a teacher. Sorry. And that's the way it is in almost anything. Why wouldn't it be that way in, in, in all parts of life? You know, you, you want something great from God? You, you know, what, what has God called you to do? Well, whatever he's called you to do, you need to get prepared to do. And preparation, if we are not prepared, it will limit God. If you know your life's calling, I'm not just talking about ministry or something that, 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 that uh, you know, is, is, is ministerial related. I'm talking about life. You know, 
If we're not prepared for marriage, guess what? We're going to limit God in our marriage. If you're not prepared to run a business, you'll limit God. And God can try to bless you all day long. It'll just come in one door and out the other. Preparation. And it's never too late to start working and, and getting prepared. Okay? The woman in 2 Kings, she was not in sin, so she wasn't limiting God there. The woman in 2 Kings, she believed the word that the prophet spoke to her, so she, she didn't limit God there. The woman in 2 Kings, she followed the direction she was given, so she did not limit God there. You know, she did this step by step. And uh, she worked hard. She got prepared. She got everything she needed into the house, got everything ready. You know, uh, so she didn't limit God. Uh, perhaps the one thing that she could have done better, maybe, is she could have had a bigger vision. She could have had a little bigger vision, perhaps. Uh, you know, maybe she didn't see God able to do exceedingly abundantly above. Maybe she only thought that, that I need a little and therefore, I, you know, uh, this, this, will, this will be enough. Some people have an enough mentality. I'm doing enough. It's enough. That was enough. That's enough. Whenever God wants to do exceedingly abundantly above. And so, uh, uh, you know, that's what Ephesians 3.20 says. That God will do exceedingly abundantly above according to the power that is at work in us. How much of God is in you? How much power of God is in you? How much of it is at work in you? How much is turning over inside of you? Is, is God still turning over inside of you? You know, or have you quieted him down? Have you put a lid on him? Have you asked Jesus into your life and then asked him to go have a seat? Or is he working, you know, energizing you? This is where we would get this concept of being energized by the God that is in us. Being energized by the power of God at work in us. Okay. Have you found 2 Kings yet? Chapter 4. Let's... Uh, read through this a certain woman verse one of the wives of the sons of the prophets cried out to elisha saying your servant my husband is dead and you know that your servant feared the lord and the creditor is coming to take my two sons to be his slaves so elisha said to her what shall i do for you tell me what do you have in your house or in the house and she said your maidservant has nothing in the house but a jar of oil then he said, verse 3, go and borrow vessels from everywhere, from all your neighbors, empty vessels. Do not gather a few, just a few. Verse 4, then when you have come in, you shall shut the door behind you and your sons, then pour it into all those vessels and set aside the full ones. Uh, that's where we ended last week. This week we pick up with verse 5. So... She went from him and shut the door behind her and her sons who brought the vessels to her and she poured out. Now it came to pass when the vessels were full that she said to her son, bring me another vessel. And he said to her, there is not another. So the oil ceased. 
So the miracle ceased because they had filled up every empty vessel that they had. Why did the oil stop? Because she limited God in that respect. We can limit God. Do you know in your life if you are completely full? I'm not certain that even God can pour more into you. Full vessels limit God. Full barns limit, you know, farmers. You know, we limit God many times because we are not pouring out. We've just taken in. And just taking in, you can become a dead sea. You can become lifeless. You can become rich and wealthy. You can know a lot. You can have all of the mineral deposits in you, but no life, no joy, no happiness, no, no, you know, nothing teeming with what God has intended. I heard the story of a, of a preacher one time who, who got up and, and, and preached a message uh, out of Luke, the 10th chapter, about the Good Samaritan. He would get up and just read the verses. You know, it was time for him to preach. So Sunday morning, Sunday night, Wednesday night, he would get up and he would read Luke, the 10th chapter, verses 30 through 37. Okay? And when he read the end, he would just close the Bible and he'd say, okay, you know, God help us and, you know, dismissed. So after about six weeks of him just doing the very same thing, reading, you know, Luke 10, verses 30 through 37, and closing the book, uh, his deacons came to him after church, and, and they said, hey, we want to talk to you. He said, uh, what about? They said, well, you know, you've been reading the same passage over and over and over, and, you know, we want, we, we want you know, something more. We want to know more. We want to, you know, uh, and, and uh, they said, you know, when are you going to preach more? He said, well, whenever you all do that one, I'll give you another one. Verse 37, you know, talks about, you know, it, the, the passage is about loving your neighbor and being a good neighbor, a good Samaritan. And the last verse, verse 37, says, go and do likewise. And that would be his conclusion. Go and do likewise. Well, when you get that done, I'll give you another one. You know, the secret to continuing your miracle is to keep pouring and not just sit down in your abundance. Not just sit down in your fullness. And I know that many of you are doing that. And by the way, let me compliment every one of you that's doing that. Because you are on your way to a miracle. This woman did not get her miracle from Elisha. This woman did not get her miracle from having gone to prayer, from having gone and heard what to do. She got her miracle because she kept walking. She got her miracle because she kept doing it. She got her miracle because she kept following the instructions. And that's where your miracle is going to come from. Your miracle, and many of you are on your way to a miracle. You just have to keep walking. You have to keep doing this. You have to walk it out because where you stop is where you'll stop. Where you shut the door is where you shut the door. And if you happen to shut the door in a dark day, you can be left in a dark room. If you happen to shut the door on God in a disappointing day, you can live the rest of your life disappointed. Hello? We must continue in our miracles. 
We cannot allow tragedy and trauma and, 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 and turmoil and testings and temptations and trials to stop us and leave us in a hole. David found himself in many holes, in many pits of life, and he said this. He said, the Lord has brought me up out of the miry clay. He set my feet up on a rock, and he's put a new song in my heart. Don't be stuck with the old song called, woe is me. Keep walking. Keep pushing through. Keep trusting God. There is light at the end of the tunnel. There is a miracle. God will not forsake you. God will not leave you in trouble or turmoil. God will not abandon you in times even when you have been abandoned by others or even when you cause the problem yourself. God will not leave you. Keep walking, keep pressing, push into Him. Why live the rest of your life in failure and disappointment? You don't have to. I was going to tell you about the church in Laodicea. You know the church in Laodicea, you know what they said? That's considered to be the last day's church, which we are. They said, we are wealthy and we have need of nothing. That's what a lot of people think. I can do this on my own. I can get by. I can get by by myself. Go ahead and bring that up there, April. It says, you know, I'm, 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 I'm rich. I've become wealthy. I have need of nothing. And you do not know that you are wretched and miserable and poor and blind and naked. <laughs> Whoa. You think you can do this on your own? Well, you can't. You think you're okay? Not without Jesus, you're not. He said in verse 19, as many as I love, I rebuke. Consider yourself rebuked. Hello, that was supposed to be funny. Therefore, be zealous. Come on, get this, get this thing going on the inside of you again. You know, pedal it. You know, get that dynamo going. Come on, get up. Get out of bed, get up. Get engaged, get up. The same God that helped you will help you again. Get up. Get it going. You know, get this stirring. You can do this, you know. You know, get the zeal back. Don't stop. Let's go full speed. Let's not limit the Holy One of Israel. Amen. Thanks again for joining us for another encouraging word from Pastor Ron Hammonds. Visit cotr.com and subscribe to our social media platforms to stay up to date. As well, receive more encouraging messages from our pastor and details of the work we're doing both in our community and communities like ours around the world. Today and every day, God bless.